My message today is entitled, The Unity of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals to us who Jesus is. which means He's at the beginning of our salvation. It's not our intellect or our logic or our, wow, wow, I figured out who Jesus was. It's, It's not about us. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals that to us. No one can even declare that Christ is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit witnessing to our spirit of this truth. It is the very Spirit of God who enables us to form all thoughts, and perspectives of Jesus. The more that we are open to the Holy Spirit and His influence in our lives, the closer we grow to God and everything He has to offer. Therefore, we cannot afford to focus primarily on Jesus and God the Father. We talk so much about Jesus and God, and usually, a lot of times in other places, the Holy Spirit has been given a second-tier status. because We spend so much time talking about Jesus and God, and yet all three are one. The more that we understand the entire Trinity, the more we, the more we are put ourselves in a place to receive all that God has to give us. Without equal significance and weight given to the Holy Spirit, we have an incomplete and a limited view of the Godhead, as well as compromised access to His power and to His wisdom and to His purpose in the earth today, in us and through us. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. There are many people who believe and who claim that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased today and have lost their power and have lost their function in the body of Christ. They base this on limited human logic instead of biblical truth and looking at it from God's perspective. James 1.17 says this, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Listen, if God sent spiritual gifts to His people, the Bible tells us that every gift is perfect. So if He sent spiritual gifts to His people, then they are not limited. They do not have a time expiration. They do not say it expires after this date. The Word tells us that His gifts are perfect. Just because someone doesn't believe in spiritual gifts, it doesn't mean that they don't exist in full power in which He gave them and continues to give them. Likewise, just because people don't believe in Jesus doesn't mean that He doesn't exist. God gives gifts of the Spirit to empower the body of Christ and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. But the main point that Paul is trying to make here is that there are many different expressions, different gifts, different activities in the church today, but they are all rooted in the same Spirit. It is this theme of spiritual unity that underlies the entire working of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ today. And it is one theme that is too often overlooked as essential to understanding the fullness of a Spirit-led life. 
The reason why there is such disjointed unity and division in the body is because too many Christians doubt the role of the Holy Spirit to bring and maintain unity in the body through His gifts, through His ministries, and through activities, His activities as taught in the Bible. In too many churches, people are doing the work of the ministry in their own strength, and we wonder why they get burnt out. They're doing the work of the ministry with their own logic, and we wonder why there's fights and quarrels. They're doing the work of the ministry not trusting in God to deliver and to provide and to sanctify and to lead. And then they wonder why they're struggling as a church or failing in their efforts to evangelize or to engage their members or to walk in power, the power that God gives us through the Spirit. One of my favorite theologians that I like to study is a man by the name of A.W. Tozer. He's, wrote, he's shared these things many years ago, and it's, it's like he's speaking to today, but this is one of my favorite quotes of his. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Understanding the truth about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and His gifts and His ministries and His activities is vital to our lives as believers and to everything we do as a church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The Holy Spirit gives to each submitted believer for the profit of everyone. When a church body is submitted to the work of God and to each other, there is no single gift or no single activity that rises up in pride to surpass another. All gifts, all ministries and service in and outside of the church work together for all. That is spiritual unity fostered by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the entire body is essential, the entire body, in advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not merely led by pastors and evangelists and worship leaders. It is led by Jesus Christ, living in the hearts of all believers, obediently walking in their respective callings. Now, we all have different roles in the church, different roles in our families and in the world. God has equipped us all with what we need to fulfill our roles. And while each of us has been equipped differently, we indeed all have been equipped. Every one of us is important in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, and in the church today. It is the gifts of the Spirit working inside each church, each minister, each worship leader, and each believer that allows the body of Christ to be victorious. Listen, you cannot defeat sin by your own determination and discipline. Before I came to Jesus, I tried. It didn't work. Whenever I had an urge to sin, I would drop down and start doing push-ups. I was doing over a thousand push-ups a day. I'm not kidding. Guess what? I couldn't stop sinning on my own. It wasn't until Jesus forgave me and gave me the power to break through that I was able to resist that with His power, not mine. We cannot do those things on our own. It's a supernatural power that we get through the Holy Spirit. 
You cannot crawl out of the pit of despair by yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that allows you to do that. You cannot continue to stay strong on your own. It's the Holy Spirit from where you get your strength. You cannot seek God and hear from Him on your own. It's the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes of your heart to hear and to see Him. All of this is done by the Spirit and through the Spirit. As we prepare ourselves before God, we commit to His plan to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. You see, to put ourselves in the right place to be used of God, we must be humble and willingly to patiently suffer for the will of God to be accomplished in our lives. This long-suffering equates to the sacrifice of our agenda and our fleshly desires so that God, God alone, can steer our ship in whatever direction He sees fit, even if it's into a trial or into a tribulation because He wants to develop something in us during that time that we submit to His leading by the Spirit and we give Him the steering wheel. Walking worthy of our calling also demands that we bear with one another in love, which is a true test and outward evidence of our humility, placing the needs of others above our needs, knowing that God will take care of us as we take care of those who are important to Him. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are called to endeavor. We don't use that word a whole lot nowadays, but we're called to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. By examining this word in context, we arrive at the fact of the unity of the Spirit is one of the single most important necessities of our callings, simply by the fact that we are commanded to endeavor. What does that word mean? Well, in its original form in the Greek, that word endeavor is the word spodazo. This is what spadazo means. To exert oneself, to make every effort, to give diligence, make haste, be zealous, strain every nerve, and further the cause assiduously. Spadazo combines thinking and acting, planning and producing. It sees a need and it promptly does something about it. This word covers the inception and the action and the follow-through. And where does God talk about this power word in, getting, in, in seeking the unity of the church? The unity, the spiritual unity of the church. There are few stronger words in scriptures than this one, which further accentuates the importance of keeping the unity of the Spirit. The unity of the Spirit is not only essential to Paul's message to the Ephesians, it is absolutely essential for the entire body of Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Do you hear a common theme here? What's the common theme? One, right? 
Right, all, one. There's, there's one God and one faith. Yes, we're all, we are all one, right? We are all one. By God, it's not by us, but we need to continue to make that a, a priority. There's one faith. Denominations are man-made. Man always seeks to divide and differentiate on man's terms, whereas the Spirit seeks to unite on God's terms. We are one body. Scholars believe, listen to this, that there are over 40,000 40, different Christian denominations around the world. I'm, something tells me that they missed that verse, right? That there's one faith. The more we are divided, the less the Spirit is empowered and submitted to. And the more that doctrine and beliefs are influenced by good ideas instead of by God ideas. When pastors and leaders are more influenced by their flesh than the Spirit, they have a tendency to come up with new doctrinal cornerstones that they mix into their calling. These new revelations make a name for their individuals and individual ministries, further dividing the body of Christ and stealing the glory from God. Yet God makes it clear that He will not share His glory with anyone. The way that we stay connected as one body is to emphasize that there is one faith. This is why Jesus said this. You know this verse in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the one way, the only way. I am the truth, the only truth. I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It is the Holy Spirit who keeps our focus united as we seek to understand all that He has to offer us to do this very thing. There is one God and one Father above all. He shows how it's possible to have the entire body of Christ with all its different expressions, with all its different activities in ministries and missions and directions to work together as one. How many know that's a miracle in itself, right? We can't do without the Holy Spirit. We can't do without some supernatural power that we can't touch or observe, but obviously the Holy Spirit is what keeps us together. The Holy Spirit is what's kept this church together for almost 150 years. The Holy Spirit is who has kept the Bible together over all the years. The Holy Spirit does so many things behind the scenes in such great power. How dare we deny His power? It is only by the Spirit of God whose emphasis is to be united that we work for the profit of all. Therefore, the only way this can happen is by the Holy Spirit imparting gifts to us. In other words, giving us gifts that we can't bring a unity above ourselves. We can't evangelize by ourselves. And so He gives us gifts to each believer to function by the Spirit instead of by man or woman's effort. If He didn't give us gifts, we would try to be doing all the things by our human selves, and we cannot bring about unity by ourselves. That's why He gives us gifts. When we realize the gifts are all given from the same source and for the benefit of all, unity can be established, and the body of Christ can advance forward together, leaving no one behind. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. This must not be glossed over lightly. We were all given grace, which means none of us deserve it. We just learn to humbly receive it. 
The measure of the gift we receive is not according to our merit or our ability, our intellect or our status. It's all according to Christ and his will. In addition, the greater that the gifts are, the more the possessor is exposed to temptations. And the larger is the measure of grace that's needed to keep him or her humble and spiritual. Verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Understand, Understand, that's implied men and women. It is the character of God to give. After all, we know that God loves the world so much that he gave us Jesus. But God did not stop when he gave us Jesus. He gave us gifts when he ascended on high, as the scripture tells us. God gave gifts to those who have been called into his service so that they would lead by the Spirit of God and not try to rely on their own skills and talents. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These are some of the gifts. The Bible talks about many gifts, but these are some of the gifts or the callings that God has given. Understanding that they are given by God prevents boasting and pride. These callings are not earned or deserved or based on status or efforts. They are merely received by faith so that God's will and purpose can be worked out through us. These callings are, in verse 12, given to us for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, God has given me gifts and talents so I could, so I could be your pastor. If I was doing things in my strength, we would not be here. You don't want to put things on just my strength and my intellect and, and, uh, as well. But God equips the body with his spiritual gifts to, to, to equip the whole body. Any work that seeks to take credit away from God to make a name for himself or, her, or herself in a ministry just attempts to steal the glory away from God. God gave us gifts to equip the body and to empower our witness. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Once again, we see the Bible in its entirety. We see that the purpose of the gift of God is to come into unity where we are all submitted and all humbled under God that He alone may be lifted up. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Then we have this curious part that goes on like this. Talking about unity. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life evermore. So I'd ask you, how is do like unity? Let me tell you a story. There was a teacher who asked her class, Students, where does do come from? One student said, I think dew comes down from the sky at night and then it settles on the grass. Another student interrupted her and said, No, no, no. It comes up from the ground and rises to the top of the grass. Their teacher finally added, Actually, dew is always present. It's just waiting for the right conditions to exist so it can manifest. The same can be said about spiritual unity. The Holy Spirit is always present, just waiting for the right conditions of unity to exist. 
And where there's unity, the Scripture tells us that God commands a blessing. That's why we work so hard on conviction and working through things so that we can have unity so that God's power can rest upon us. The Holy Spirit moves with power where the body is united and all are walking in the fullness of their gifts and their callings. Do you remember the conditions that existed when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost? Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The believers were not fighting and squabbling over little things. They were all with one accord. They found one focus to unite around. They were fixated on Jesus and were waiting on him. These are the right conditions that prepare for the move of the Holy Spirit through us. Listen, the world needs the body of Christ right now but not in our own strength or in our own logic. They need the the body of Christ to move with power that the Spirit gives us. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, God did not stop with just giving gifts to those in full-time ministry for His desire to bring everyone into unity. The gifts of God did not stop with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. If you're saying, where am I? You're still in here. The Holy Spirit is manifested in the heart and the life of each believer through gifts of the Spirit. So the entire body of Christ can come together in the unity of the faith. Every single believer is important, both in the church and in the kingdom of God. We must believe this to function as a united body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. For to one is given the word of wisdom. These are the spiritual gifts in the Bible. One is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Let me ask you this. Why did God give us the New Testament beyond the Gospels and the book of Acts? Was it just to know our history as Christians? Or was it to apply it directly to our lives and our personal walk with Christ? Those who believe that the Holy Spirit was only given in the past to the apostles and the early church have to answer this question. Is the entire New Testament a history book of instructions and guidance for all believers throughout all ages? Is it just a history book or is it instruction that we use? The Holy Spirit is not mentioned just in the book of Acts. He is recorded throughout the history of the church, throughout the entire New Testament. You can find a wealth of teaching on the gifts and the power throughout the whole New Testament. In fact, some of the same people who believe that the Holy Spirit does not give spiritual gifts anymore still believe in spiritual gifts and other passages, like this promise in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 13.11 says this, but when they arrest you, talk about the time, when the time comes when we're persecuted. When they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate on what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the gift of prophecy, that gift of knowledge, that gift of wisdom. That's one of the spiritual gifts. It has not ceased because that's what we use when we are persecuted. This is clearly a spoken gift empowered by the Holy Spirit for times of persecution, for today and for days ahead. The Holy Spirit indeed still empowers us supernaturally if we believe Him at His Word. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. And to another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. In these verses in 1 Corinthians, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. To better understand these functions and how they operate, they can be grouped into three categories. Gifts of speaking, gifts of hearing or seeing, and gifts of doing. There are three gifts of speaking, of vocal inspiration. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. These utterance gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit speaking supernaturally to us and through us. When this happens, believers are strengthened and encouraged and comforted, but never put under condemnation. There are also three gifts of hearing or seeing, the discerning of spirits, the word of knowledge, and a word of wisdom. These revelation gifts are manifested as God reveals knowledge or wisdom to his people, as he reveals the identity or the nature or activity of spirits. This revelation comes into our mind through our spirits in the form of a thought or an impression. Has God ever given you a thought or impression and you speak it out and you say, wow, that was good, where did that come from? It's not you. It interrupts your natural thinking and it comes out of your mouth and, wow. Well, that's God doing that. It's a supernatural way we can't explain, we can't define, we can't put it into a formula. God does it. Finally, there are three gifts of doing. A gift of faith, a gift of healing, and a gift of working miracles. These power gifts are manifested by God, releasing supernatural faith or power to work or through us. But God wants us to do more than just learn about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, if God has given us a gift, He doesn't want to keep us to ourselves. He also doesn't want us to ignore it and say it doesn't happen. God gives us a gift so that we can give it. Just like when God gives us finances, He gives us finances to bless others. God gives us gifts so that we can bless others. We've been given a gift and have called to be good stewards of the gift. No longer can we say God doesn't need my gift at this time or I'm waiting for God to give me a gift. I still don't know what it is. Our confirmation is right here in the Word that we are to minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If you would like to know what your spiritual gift is, see me. We're going to be doing a... Uh, spiritual gift, gift test to kind of look at where your abilities are and to see may, possibly what God has given you as a gift and then how you can serve it and be put into use. We are given different gifts by the Holy Spirit who endows us with power to advance the gospel around the world. But understand this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This means that God doesn't give you a gift because you're a great speaker or because you work so hard. God looks around the world and He says, I, there's a need there, I need to accomplish this need, so I'm going to give this gift so that this need can be accomplished. Not because someone has done all these things to earn it, because we can't earn gifts, but God distributes the gifts as He wills. So where there's a need and you say, God, use me, I want to be obedient, use me, God will give you a gift so that His uh, gospel can continue to advance. Let me give you these examples, how God has used, how God has given me gifts, not about me. At times when God has given me gifts to uh, use for His glory. 
I believe one of the gifts that I operate in is the, the gift of the word of wisdom. It's a supernatural way to explain the Bible. It's not because I've, I study and I do all those things. I spend time, but there's times when God gives me a revelation. I don't know where it came from. Not just because I thought it in my mind or I read it in a book. God will give me a supernatural way to explain it to you and to teach it to you so that you can understand. I can't explain it. I can't teach people how I do that. I can just tell you that God has given me a word of wisdom to kind of relay it so that the body can grow. There's also a time when God has given me a gift of faith. Now there's times when I, it seems like I don't have enough faith. But there was a time I've told this story before when I was in the hospital when our son had cancer at nine months old. And all my family thought he was going to die. He had to get his kidney removed. A cancerous tumor had taken over and enveloped his whole right kidney, left kidney. And I was in the hospital room. And my wife had gone down to the cafe and I was praying before God. And I, as I was praying, I was asking God to help, help my son. And I heard God, I can't explain it to you. I don't know if there was a light in the room, but in my heart there was a light. And I heard God say, ask whatever you want. I'll give you whatever you want, whatever you want. So I was about ready to say, God, remove this tumor from my son now. But as I started to speak, God gave me a gift of faith in that moment. And then that gift of faith, he said to me, he's gonna, I'm going to pull him through this. He's going to get through it. So what I, what I want you to do is I want you to uh, share this hope and share this faith with others in the process. I said, okay, God, I trust you. My wife came back to the room and I said, you're not going to believe it. God spoke to me. And she said, he did. What did he say? said, he told me I could ask whatever I wanted to, and it'd be done. And she said, did you ask for Josh to be healed? And I said, no. No, it was not a mistake, Larry. I said, God gave me faith to believe. And so I'm going to witness, and I witnessed to all of my family members that God is going to pull it through. And that was, that was probably one of our strongest times of witness in our entire lives is when we witnessed his faith in the process. And my son came through cancer, and it was a long ordeal, and chemotherapy, but now he's alive today. He's got, he's got healthy. He's got a job. He's cancer-free, praise God. Now listen, it wasn't because of anything I did, but I just there's times when God gives you the faith because you know there's times when you want to believe and you can't because there's doubt there or fear. God supernaturally gave me a, a gift of faith to believe. That was a gift of, of, of the Spirit's. Well, God has also, at times, I've not shared these before, I don't think, given me a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is given to be used in cooperation with prayer. So God would give you a, a word of knowledge that you know something that was put in your heart for no other reason so that you will pray about it and bring it to pass. So there, I have twice have, have been with people. In fact, there was one at, at someone in our church and her daughter was trying to have a baby. Uh, daughter and husband were trying to have a baby for two years, and they couldn't, they couldn't get pregnant, and they were going through all these tests, and they didn't know what to do, and, and they were very frustrated. If you know people, we went through that in the process ourselves. But they were very frustrated, and then God woke me up one day, and he said, um, she's going to have a baby soon. So now what do I got to do with that gift? Do you know how hard it is to go up to a woman who's been trying for two or three years to have a baby and can't, and, and if I go to her and say, listen, God said you're going to have a baby. I mean, do you understand the fear that's involved there? To give her false hope or what if I'm wrong? And so, But I, I, knowing it was by God, I prayed about it. And so I said, and she came into church that next day, and I said, listen, 
God has given me a word, and I believe this word because I prayed over that you were that you're going to have a, a child soon. And so we prayed and believed, and I'm not kidding. A couple months later, she got pregnant. Now I didn't know that, and she'd been trying for me. And it wasn't it wasn't about because of of my prayer. It wasn't about it was a gift of the Spirit to give me the knowledge and then to use it. Some of you have gotten that gift of knowledge before, and then you've either didn't use it or you did. But God gives you a gift of knowledge again, not to keep yourself, but to use it. I had another couple, uh, a lady I was working with in school, and her her son was the same pro- same process. They were looking for, looking for a child. They were trying to adopt a child. And they had been for years and years, couldn't find it. And I said, I said, I believe that God's God told me again, they're gonna have a child. And about a month later, we were at a restaurant downtown in Bay City. We got up and we started praying with them in front of the whole restaurant. Months later, a bit, they got a call for uh, to have a baby. Again, it's not about the prayer or our efforts about us being obedient to God because God will give you a word of knowledge so that you'll do something with it. God gives me a word of wisdom so that I'll do something with it. I told you the story when I came here as a pastor. God told me back in Essexville when a bunch of unfair stuff was happening to me, God gave me a word and he said, let the door shut behind you. And I, and I said, what's that mean? He said, don't complain about the bad things. I'm doing something different in your life. Let the door shut behind you. Okay, God, I don't understand it. I come up here for an interview and I walk through that door right there and I shut that door and on the fact that door is a sign that says, please let the door shut behind you. <laughs> and it was, there, it was there before I ever came, but God will give you something to do something with it. And I'm trying to say these are not just coincidences. How many know that our God is not a coincidence God? How many know that our God is a God of power? Amen? Now, are there times when we pray something that doesn't happen? Sure there are, because it, maybe that's part, not part of God's will. God says that His ways are way above our ways and above our thoughts, and so we may pray and miss it. That's okay. It doesn't hurt to believe for those things. But there are times when God gives gifts that are just amazing, just amazing, that we cannot be explained any other way. For hundreds of years, spiritual gifts have been taught about and utilized for the work of His ministry. And the places where they have truly flourished have been where the unity of the body has been the main goal. We don't fight and squabble over little things. We don't fight over differences of opinion. That's, yes, we're going to have differences, but the main goal is that we have unity, and that can only be brought about by the Holy Spirit if we submit to that as a common goal. None of us can love others in these ways unless we are submitted to and empowered by the Holy Spirit. In context, this talk about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, who knows what the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, is about? Love. That's the love chapter. Remember, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't just appear there automatically. It appears, it appears there following the, the talk of the gifts of the Spirit. Because without the gifts of the Spirit, we cannot love one another. Does anybody else have people in their lives that are hard to love? Yeah, that's God's gift to us. To use, to use His gifts to love people in ways that we cannot. Has anyone ever had a hard time loving yourself because of condemnation or shame? That's God's gift to us, to use His supernatural gifts to love ourselves the way that He loves us. It's only a Spirit-led love that prevents us from being self-seeking when we feel that our needs are not being met. And we grow tired of seeing others' needs met before ours. But by the gift of the Spirit, we can love one another. It is only a Spirit-led love that maintains a heart 
that is not easily angered and truly keeps no record of wrongs of those in our lives who continually hurt us, whether they realize it or not. Only the Spirit can help us love those. Only the Spirit can help us forgive others. It's only a Spirit-led love that allows us not to delight in evil, but only rejoice in the truth, especially when the instinctual reaction of our flesh is to take revenge instead of being quick to forgive. And it is only the Spirit-led love that our love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. The times that we have failed to do this and how we love others are times when we have not submitted to the Holy Spirit and acknowledging that His love and power comes through the Spirit, through God alone. God commands us to love not in our own strength, but by the Spirit. As we remain humble, operating in the gifts and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, we will experience a love that never fails as the kingdom of God advances on this earth by the inclusion of every single one of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power and love of your spirit. God, let us be open to what you would have to give us, to the callings, to the gifts, to the ministries, to the activities, and let us use our gifts for the profit of all. We thank you for your faithfulness in keeping us together. We pray for an even stronger unity as we submit to you so that your body can be a power and reckoning force in this world. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.